0: Hello, I'm Blair Lemke. Welcome to Let God Speak. The cry of the 1960s counterculture was make love, not war. Whatever they had in mind, the whole notion of love, not hate, was God's idea in the first place. God still wants us to wage love, not war, as we will see in the scriptures today. On our panel today, we have David Curry and Rosemary Malkovich. Thank you for joining us.
1: It's our pleasure.
0: As always, let's begin with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for the opportunity that we have to study your word today. We ask for your spirit to lead and to guide us together. We pray in Jesus name. Amen. 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 Well, we've been studying through the book of Isaiah and it's been a very blessed experience. And uh, today we're going to be studying the book uh, of Isaiah, chapter 55 and chapter 58. Let's launch here straight into Isaiah 55, verse 1, and uh, we're going to tackle this concept and this idea of God's love. God's word says this, Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come buy and eat. Yes, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. This is quite an interesting passage to kick us off. And I want to throw the question to you, David, and ask, uh, why is God suggesting here this, uh, this idea of buy? Why is putting this, the word buy in this text?
2: Well, God is trying to meet the spiritual needs of the people. He's not really talking about the physical needs in this chapter. And uh, to meet these needs, it requires some kind of a transcript and a transfer of something valuable. I like it a little bit later where he says, incline your ear and come unto me. Mm. And so uh, he's not asking us to pay money, but he's uh, asking us to come, that we may make a, a covenantal transaction with him. Well, this
0: is the thing, isn't it? When we look at God's word, we know that, um, well, we, we we know that it's free. The gift of salvation is free. Uh, and yet here there's this word. And so, um, Rosemary, it is free, is it not, The this gift that we're talking about?
1: It is free to us. God there says, come and buy without money. You don't have to actually physically pay for it. There is a price to pay. But God has actually been the one to pay the price. And so, we don't pay, but God has. And that's a wonderful thing. Mm. It's the whole universe to do this for us.
0: Yeah, it's a beautiful thought that it's free to us, but to God, he paid a significant price uh, for us. And I think that that's such a beautiful thing mm. as we as we learn and study it. Uh, and yet at the same time, uh, you know, God's paid this price. He offers it to us for free. Uh, and yet God does require f- something from us in return, does he not, David?
2: Yes, he does. He offers us forgiveness and acceptance of His framework and the restored covenant relationship, which He always wants with His people. It's not, therefore, a casual transaction that God makes with us. It's a deeply personal one, and uh, He wants wholehearted commitment to Him at this particular time. All is gained to us, Mm. and that, of course, is very important to us. But I do like what it says in the middle of verse 3, here and your soul shall live." Amen.
0: Yeah, that's that's a very powerful text, isn't it? It Uh, is. It's it's a a call for us to hear God's Word, uh, to respond to the gift that He's offering Mm. to us. uh, And uh, we shall live. We'll, We'll experience that joy that comes from Uh, a relationship with him. Now, this is very uh, gospel-centered and this is the Old Testament that we're reading here. A lot of people like to, you know, sometimes we can find in Christian circles people will want to dismiss the Old Testament as not being gospel-centered and yet we find such a beautiful picture of the gospel here. Mm. Um, Is this the New Testament gospel that we're talking about right here?
1: Well, there never was an old covenant as such that was way of salvation by works and superseded by grace it was always by grace and in the sanctuary God showed it was by grace Mm. God's grace that saves us the Jews tried to save themselves by their works Mm. and that doesn't work Mm. we have to trust God for our salvation Um, it was always grace through faith alone that's the way anybody is saved in this world
0: and we see just such consistent continuity through the New mm. Testament and the Old Testament. This, exactly. The same message uh, that, mm. that is in the New Testament and the Old. Uh, now, Pastor David, I want to throw this question to you and ask you uh, this gospel. When did the gospel begin?
2: The gospel began right at the beginning when man sinned. All of a sudden they began to realize that God had grace He had a way of helping them to come to Him, as it says in this text in uh, Isaiah, come to me. Uh, God has always had that relationship with His people. And as soon as humanity needed grace, grace was there waiting for them. Mm. And it's just wonderful how God stepped in then. And this is love of the truest order. We're talking about waging love. And God showed that love to the unfaithful, even to His enemies. He shows that. And um, Romans uh, chapter 5, verse 20. If when we're enemies, we are reconciled to God and God wants us to come to him at all times, even though we have sinned and some people have done terrible things, they can still come back to God.
0: Wow. I just love that, that from the moment we needed it, grace was available. That's we've
1: we've <laughs> got to remember, too, that Abraham, Moses, Joseph, Daniel, David, um, you know, all the prophets and things, they understood that salvation was through grace. Mm. They're Old Testament people. And that's how it always was, even from back then.
0: That's beautiful. Well, let's read here as we continue through the book of Isaiah 55. I want to read verses 8 and 9 here uh, and then uh, continue our discussion. God's Word says this, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Uh, What is God saying here, Rosemary?
1: Well, there's a number of things he's saying. One is similar to what Pastor David just said, that Jesus even died for his enemies. Because the Bible says that when we were his enemies, he died for us. And so God's ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. His thoughts are of love and of mercy for everybody, even enemies. And that's something that we ha- find hard to understand. But there are mysteries and, and questions in and the simplest things, even mm. in nature, that we do not understand. God is so far above us and he knows so much more than us. If we could understand everything as God understands it, we'd be as equals. So there has to be things that we do not understand, but that he alone understands.
0: Amen. And, you know, that to me is is so inspiring that we have a God who is above, bigger and beyond us. Much bigger than Uh, us. And, you know, when we capture a glimpse of the enormity and the fullness of who God is, uh, this has quite uh, a remarkable effect on us, us. does it not, Pastor David?
2: It does. To humbly recognize our need of His help and grace is very important to us. There's really no room for pride on any Mm -hmm. personal achievements. Mm. You know, we do a lot of things. We can be very proud of it, but God doesn't want that. He wants us to be humble before Him.
0: I want to read for us here uh, the the couple of verses that precede this description here, describing the God above and beyond uh, to set the context here uh, for this my ways are higher than your ways statement. We read in verse 6 through to 9, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon." And then it goes on, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. And we we read this verse that we've just read. Um, This is an interesting context for God being above and hard to understand. We see here, you know, themes of redemption, of themes of trying to understand a God who offers grace and mercy. Um, What is it about this part of God that we find so difficult to understand?
1: Well, God the, the whole universe is full of mysteries that we can't understand. And many people say, well, if God exists, where did he come from? Where did he he wasn't created or, or how did he get here? And so they let those questions turn them away from God. But first Timothy 3.16 says, and with our controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world received up into glory. And so the biggest mystery Hmm. in the whole universe is the mystery of salvation. How God did this, why he would even bother doing this to try to save rebellious people. And instead of just blotting them out, um, God is just so good. If, If we can't understand that, you know, we've just got to accept it. God is so much greater than us. It's
0: really hard. Isn't it hard to get your head around this idea of a God that um, that can cause the wicked to forsake their ways and offer mercy and justice all at the same time? It is hard to understand. And it's
1: it's also a mystery for us in part of all of this uh, story of salvation is how God could become part of his own creation and be born as a baby and grow up and die for us without sinning. That is a huge mystery, but that's I, what God says.
0: I love the gospel story because we'll be learning about this throughout all of eternity and coming to greater knowledge and greater understanding, greater depths of the love and of God. And loving God
2: more. That'll because be wonderful. Of it. Beautiful.
0: Wonderful. Um, Let's continue on. We're going to uh, return here to Israel's experience. They were clearly a very religious people, uh, certainly outwardly, um, even fasting before God and these sorts of things. Um, But God was not impressed with just external fastings and signs of religiosity, uh, as we see in in the book of Isaiah here. Uh, And in fact, um, the Israelites here actually complained that God uh, was not really interested in, in their fast and outward signs. And I want to read here a text, Isaiah chapter 58, verse 3, uh, when we see this taking place, God's Word says this, Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen? Why have we afflicted our souls and you take no notice? Um, This is, you know, this is interesting, an insight into the the response of the Israelites here. What was going wrong for them?
2: (laughs) Well, they were steeped in sin. And um, in verses 1 and 2, just before you read uh, 3, it says, To Isaiah, cry aloud, spare not, lift up your voice like a trumpet. Tell my people their transgression and the house of Jacob their sins. Yet they seek me daily and delight to know my ways as a nation that did righteousness and do not forsake the ordinance of their God. They ask of me the ordinances of justice. They take delight in approaching God. Yes, they had all the outward stuff, but there was nothing coming from the inside. And, of course, that was very significant. And yet in their hypocrisy, they still claimed to be following God. They were quite pious, I Mm. suppose, from the outward point of view. Mm. So
0: would you say that this text is saying that um, uh, religious signs on the outward is not enough?
1: Let's turn to Matthew 23. Um, And verses 27 and 28, where Jesus gives us a good example of this. He's talking to the Pharisees and he's very forward with them. And he says um, to them, woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye are like unto whited sepulchers or graves, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead men's bones and of all uncleanness. Even so, ye also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within ye are full of hypocrisy hmm. and iniquity. Nothing is hidden from God. God knows the heart as well as what is done outside. We only see the outward movements of man. God reads it all. In, the, in Exodus 20, verse 7, is the, Exodus 20 is the Ten Commandments. The third commandment said, says, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. In other words, pretend you are a Christian wow. when you are forsaking God and acting unchristian. He says, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain because the Lord will not hold him guiltless yes. that taketh his name in vain. That's serious. Mm. You cannot fool God. You cannot pretend that you are righteous with God. But not be righteous in your heart.
0: Well, you know, it's very interesting to me that text you just read earlier in Matthew is uh, end of what we see here of God's response to the Israelites, His people in Isaiah fifty-eight. God often reserves His most scathing rebukes for His people, His faithful people who claim to take His name. And yet don't live in character what it
2: means to take the name of God. Especially
1: those who are supposed to be teaching and leading the people to follow God. Mm. And they are not.
2: It's amazing even today how many people take the name of the Lord in vain and don't realize that they're doing it. Mm.
1: They think it's only to do with swearing. But it's yes. actually how you live your life. Yeah,
2: the,
0: the depth of these the commandments that God gives are so much deeper than just right. a passing phrase or a word. It deals with the issues of the heart. That's
2: and right. Jesus showed yes. that very clearly, too, in the Sermon on the Mount. Mm. It's the spirit
1: of the law, not the letter of the law.
0: That's yes. Now, I want to go here to the context of Isaiah 58, uh, because we've just seen this rebuke that God has given. Uh, what is the context here in Isaiah 58, Pastor David?
2: Yes, it seems to me, and I think it's quite clear that this is probably alluding to the Day of Judgment. The people had to afflict their souls. They had to get ready uh, for this Day of Judgment and confess their sins and fast and make things right with God. And really, it's a type of where we are today in the time of judgment that we ought to be doing the same thing, Mm -hmm. making sure that we're right with our God.
0: You know, it's so it's interesting because in verse three there, they're having quite a, a boastful, pious attitude. We've fasted. We've done this. So clearly, then, if, if, if this is the context of the judgment, uh, this is not probably the right place to be boasting in a pious no. way.
2: <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs>
1: no, not at all. Um, during a time of judgment, you were to be humbling your hearts and seeking God's forgiveness and mercy. And those who did not searched their hearts and confessed their sins and on the day of atonement, um, they were cast out because they had done or shown contempt for God's salvation. Hmm.
0: Wow. Well, let's continue reading on here. I want to read verses six and seven of chapter 58 as we continue our study. God's word says, Is this not the fast that I have chosen to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let loose to let the oppressed go free and, to, and that you may break every yoke. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and that you may bring to your house the poor who are cast out when you see the naked, that you cover him and not hide yourself from your own flesh? Um, this is uh, quite interesting here. And um, I want to throw this one to you, David. What's, uh, what, what do we discover here? What's the, God's Word telling us here in this passage?
2: You know, I've been reading through the Old Testament And I'm absolutely amazed how often the prophets talk about looking after the poor, Mm. the orphans and the widows. And Isaiah is no exception to this. Here he is telling us that we have a responsibility. And if we're really serious about our relationship with God, it's very important that we look for those who are less fortunate. And uh, most of us see people around us today who are less fortunate and we need to help them.
1: That's right.
2: So
0: will God notice our, us when we care for others, when we do these things, um, keeping in mind that he didn't notice when they were fasting. He said, you know, that didn't catch his attention, that outward form. Does God notice these acts?
1: God does. Even Jesus said so. Many, many times in the, in the Gospels we read where Jesus said that if you help these people, then you, you are doing my work. Um, and so verses 8 and 9 of chapter 58 of Isaiah tell us what God's blessings will be. To the people who do help those who are in need, because that's what God always wants—to help mm. the poor.
2: That's wow. right. I like that next verse, which also says, "Then your light shall break mm. forth as the morning." Verse wow. eight. And, you know, you're helping mm. people.
1: And your health, your health will
2: yes. will spring up. <laughs> wow. You know,
1: and you'll be healthy, people. You won't be having all the worries and strife the stress and the strain.
0: Well, it's quite remarkable, isn't it? These promises that are offered for being uh, to living the character of God as you be faithful to him. These promises are offered. It's remarkable. Uh, Verse 10 and 11 go on. And we see that God isn't finished with this topic of caring for others. Uh, And we read in God's word says, "Uh, if you extend your soul to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul, then your light shall dawn in in the darkness and your darkness shall be turned as the noonday. The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your soul in drought and strengthen your bones. You shall be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. Um, This is, again, interesting. Why the repetition taking place here of what we've just read? And then, again, God telling to look out for these things.
2: Well, obviously, it's for emphasis. And God is saying, do you get the point? Can you see (laughs) what I'm trying to say here? And religious observances are worthless without caring for the unfortunate people. And this is what Isaiah is trying to emphasize here. God continues with more promises for the faithful in verse 11, where he says, The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your soul in drought and strengthen your bones. You shall be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. What a wonderful promise.
0: Why, why all of these promises in this chapter, Rosemary?
2: Well,
1: I think it's because there's cause and effect. You you reap what you sow. And so God is letting you know, letting us all know that if this is how we behave, this will be the result. But if this is how we behave, if we are obedient, this will be the result. God will be able to bless us because we place ourselves into God's Hmm. blessing. And if we live outside of God's will, We're saying we don't want your blessing. But if we do God's will, it's not to bribe us to be good. It's because we do the right thing that we place ourselves where he can. It's interesting
0: here that God's giving us a picture of what matters to him in worship. Uh, And he's saying that, you know, genuine deeds of kindness to others is what matters, not an outward form of religiousness in and of itself, although religious things aren't necessarily bad. when we think of Jesus, does this same idea apply, David?
2: Yes. Well, you know, when you look through the Gospels, you really find him going to the temple. You really find him. Uh, he does do it because that was a requirement of the law. But he is there all the time meeting people's needs, mm. healing the demoniacs, healing the lepers, preaching to the people the great things about God and his kingdom to come. Jesus was interested in the poor people and he carried this on what he had shared with the prophets years before. Mm.
0: It's interesting that, you know, just as these gospel writers here are speaking of Jesus, valuing these acts of mercy, these acts of um, healing, feeding, forgiving, um, and Jesus, uh, Jesus put into practice these. Did Jesus also teach these things, Rosemary?
1: Well, If we go to Matthew 25 and verse 40, Jesus says, and the king, this is part of a parable, and the king shall answer and say unto them, verily I say unto you, inasmuch as much as you have done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, ye have done it unto me. And of course, Jesus is saying this parable about himself and those who believe in him. He is the king. And he was saying that when we do... One of these good deeds, when we help someone who's in prison or someone who's sick, someone who is poor and, and in all of these different ways, someone who is in whatever situation where they need help, that we're actually helping hmm. Jesus himself in the person of that person in need. Yep. He identifies himself hmm. with every suffering person on this earth wow. and, and we are his hands and feet.
0: It's really actually a remarkable thought to think that as we're caring for the needy, as we're reaching out to those who are unwell or in a position of need, we're actually serving Jesus himself.
2: That's right. And
1: not only that, the blessing comes back on yourself. As you help others, you feel blessed.
2: It does indeed.
1: Yeah. So Mm -hmm. you get a double blessing. Not only are you helping Jesus through people, but you are also being blessed back.
0: You know, it really to me highlights the importance of what we're reading about here, that not only is it important to be kind, to uh, practice uh, being, you know, looking out for those who are oppressed and all of these things that we're reading about uh, for the sake of this being true worship of God. But we also see here that this is actually uh, kind actions to God himself not only worshiping God, but serving God. Absolutely. It's very, um, it's just, what an opportunity. I mean, if we, if we saw Jesus walking down the street, we would leap at the opportunity to do something kind for Him, do something nice for Him, to serve Him in some way, to wash His feet, to bring Him food. Uh, I think any Christian, if they saw Jesus, would just leap at the opportunity. Uh, do we have the same enthusiasm for our brothers and our sisters
1: uh <laughs> yeah, Well, if it's it a rich, question. And, if it's a rich and famous person, probably yes. But if it was just a poor, lowly person, we'd probably leave them by the wayside. Mm.
0: And I think understanding and appreciating that serving others is serving Jesus perhaps mm. springs in us a greater desire to, to serve those people around us um, yes. as we consider That's these right. things. Let's continue through the Book of Isaiah here as we as we um, close out the chapter. It turns here to the Sabbath. Uh, and and begins to talk about worship in the context of the Sabbath. Uh, What is this idea here? Why is God bringing in the Sabbath here at the end of the chapter, David?
2: Well, I think this is uh, one of the beautiful things that God has given to mankind, to be able to worship Him and to come into a true relationship with Him and to find out even about our need for a true relationship. And um, he says, if you turn away my, your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy day of the Lord Honourable, and should honour him, not doing your own ways, nor finding your own pleasure, nor speaking your own words, then shall you delight yourself in the Lord. I mean, these are wonderful verses. They're a promise that are made to us at this particular time. They, the people at that time, were keeping the Sabbath just as a kind of an outward thing so that people would recognize that they um, were keeping the Sabbath. Mm. You know, my brother was in Jerusalem at one time and he was taking a picture on the Sabbath of people going to the synagogue. All of a sudden, a Jew hit him over the head. His glasses went flying 100 meters and he had to pick those up. He said, you can't take photographs on the Sabbath. Well, you know, he was keeping the Sabbath, I think, just like the people were back there, just as a sort of a... Uh, a sign that they were doing the right thing. But hmm. Jesus wanted them to, to delight in this wonderful day that he had given to them.
0: That's interesting because it does tap into that idea that the Israelites here may have been observing the Sabbath, but not in heart, not in spirit, but That's in it. outward observance. Um, right. in, in this text here, Rosemary, what is God's stated purpose in actually giving the Sabbath? Because well, it stands in stark opposition to what David just shared.
1: Well, in what he was, what Pastor David was saying, if you turn your foot away from the Sabbath in verse 13, from doing your own, your own pleasure, on my holy day and basically doing the things I've asked you to do. Verse 14 says, Then shalt thou delight thyself in the Lord, and I will cause thee to ride upon the high places of the earth and feed thee with the heritage of Jacob thy father, for the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. Mm. God wants us to delight in him and to worship him together Mm. so that he can bless us and, and the Sabbath can draw us closer to him. The Sabbath is all about a relationship with God.
0: Wow. And, you know, it is really a beautiful thing and we see God's purpose in giving it. Mm. Pastor David, if you could just summarize for us in a few words the message of Isaiah 15 as we, as we finish our time. Well, today. it seems
2: to me as though God is calling a unique people uh, to follow him. You know, I love this verse in Matthew 24. Uh, sorry, Matthew 15, verse 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and mm. take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Wow. And this was the message that he was trying to give right back there in Isaiah. And Jesus is taking, as it were, that same theme beautiful. and bringing it to his people. And he also wants us to apply it to our own hearts today.
0: It's a beautiful study. Thank you for being with us and um, spending time with us. God is indeed looking for a special people, humble people, selfless people. Today's message is calling us to be those people and heartfelt devotion to our Heavenly Father will be a blessing and a light to our world. Thank you for joining us. God bless. You have been listening to Let God Speak, a production of 3ABN Australia Television.